0: My name is Tim, and I am uh, one of really a lot of different um, people at this church who are, who are pastors. I'm a, like an under, 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 under shepherd. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an assistant uh, volunteer pastor, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm really glad I'm here today, and I get to speak to you about what God has laid on my heart for myself as well as I, I hope for you. Uh, know that when I'm, when I'm talking to you today, I'm pretty much talking into a mirror and you guys just get to listen in, um, because I, you know, I need I need to hear it just as much as you do, or me, I think more, um, in my opinion. But I'm glad to be here today, and I'd like to begin by telling you um, a little story. Um, it's made up, but it's my story and I'm sticking to it, um, and I'm going to go with that. So there was a young boy, and like many boys he looked up to his father. He saw his father was strong, and he wanted to be just like his dad, big and strong. Um, No, actually, he wanted to be stronger, in fact. He wanted to be stronger than his father. So as he grew, he tried uh, different methods to help him to be strong like his father. He tried different diets. Uh, He tried different exercise regimens. He found lots of different experts um, in their field of health, Um, and in bodybuilding, and he tried to follow their advice. And he set to work on being as strong as humanly possible, definitely at least as strong as his dad, if not stronger. Every now and then, he would go into his father's gym, and he would try to lift the same weights that his father did. However, no matter how hard he tried, he could never quite press, lift, or push the same amount of weight as his father did. He couldn't understand why. He had told his father that he really, really wanted to be strong like him. No, stronger. He listened to all the experts. Um, He listened to all their advice. They all looked fantastic and seemed to be reaching their goals. They looked strong and fit, and they could lift lots. But why couldn't he do it? Why couldn't this young man attain the kind of strength that his father had? It perplexed him. Day after day, year after year he kept at it. He kept telling his father about his intentions to be strong like him, no stronger, and worked really hard most of the time to get there. He endlessly searched for ways to give him the edge to finally get to that point where he could be as stronger stronger than his father, but he never got there. What have you set your mind to for this year? It's, you know, the New Year's upon us, and this is traditionally the time of the year where we make New Year's resolutions, right? We look back on the year uh, past, and maybe we kind of mourn how the the different resolutions that we didn't quite live up to, and we make new ones for the new year. When I think of this past year, I can't help but think of the many things I wished I had done. I mean, I've set goals, uh, much like that young man. And I can't help but think that I hadn't attained most of them. Maybe not all of them. Maybe not any of them. Perhaps this coming year things will change though, right? But what to choose to focus on. There's, a, there's an enormous amount. I could choose to seek improvement in health. Maybe in education. In work proficiency. In relational understanding. Maybe in technical skill or expertise. In time management. Lord knows I could use that. Maybe in stretching myself beyond my comfort zone. And all of these things I might eventually be able to say I made some sort of progress or improvement on, or I might have to concede that I'll I'll have made none at all. I wonder if this is anyone else's fear or consideration. It's a difficult exercise to do this. It's difficult because I'm likely to inevitably lose some steam or be discouraged, much, much like this young man did in his story, on any or all of these personal goals that I might set. Or perhaps, just as bad, I'll focus on one of them to the detriment of other really important things in my life. But to be quite frank with you, for me, I have to consider these goals as, as trash. It's pretty useless for me. Any one of those goals might be helpful, um, in one aspect, but they're terrible in another. It's typical for us to think of New Year's resolutions at this time of year, especially after we've indulged in excess of food, drink, entertainment, and me time, and I'm, you know, I'm right there with you. I have indulged. in spending time on improving my body, though, maybe through health or through exercise, Is it really for health, or is it for vanity? The question I have to ask myself is spending time on reading endless books about any number of topics, is it really to help me uh, to live a life that's with, with knowledge that helps me live more gracefully, or is it to puff me up with knowledge and pride? What's the end result? Even if my motivations were to start out pure, which outcome is more common? Does getting more skilled uh, in an area serve to bring us greater humility? Or does it serve to usually bring us greater pride? Let's not mince words here. The motives might seem pure for us to have a fulfilling life, but the things we focus on to get there often end up falling way short, or at the very least, they show signs cracking along the way, as our vanity or as our pride might get in the way. So what do we do? End up doing? When we we focus on self improvement. We actually end up self inflating. And let me tell you, nothing could be worse for a person of faith than to be self inflated. And I can tell you that from experience, because I get there often. I start to do some things right, and I kind of start to feel good about myself. And then I start to look down, and I start to think, how could they not know what I know? Or I figured it out. I figured it out for five minutes. I did it right. I was so humble, I was humble like Moses. The most humble man that ever lived, and he wrote about himself. Nothing could be worse for a person of God than to be, or a person of faith than to be self-inflated. But this is the exact sort of thing that happens all the time. And it's happened for the people of faith because they became self-inflated and self-focused. And they lost sight of who it was they were in deepest need of as the people of God multiple times. If you take a gander through a large portion of the historical section of the Old Testament in this big old book, it's huge, you'll find many, 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 many stories of the people of God who are at one point living in in fulfillment, they are seeming to have prosperous lives, they they seem to be doing things well, and maybe they've been following God to the T and things are going great for them. But then something happens. And they have to deal with occupation and with oppression and with exile and with devastation. Eventually, we'll read in here that it led to the kingdom of Israel becoming divided, split up, and and at war with uh, with one another. Never quite looking the same again. The people of God tried all sorts of things uh, to get the life that they wanted. They looked to to customs and practices of the people around them who seemed to be successful. So they set these these poles to certain gods, thinking that these poles were going to be what pleased another god, who seemed to be pleasing another culture. And that didn't work. And then they would go into these high mountains, they'd try and find the highest mountains, because they heard from other people that the high mountains is where you're going to with whichever god that, that, uh, that you're trying to get to, maybe Baal in this case. And that didn't work. And some even went so far as to sacrifice their own children, thinking it would bring them what they needed and what they wanted. They wanted peace, or they wanted security, and they would go that far. And this seems ridiculous to us. It seems out of this world. And yet, we have to contend that if we're not careful, we take extreme and extraordinary lengths that are far apart from God so that we can get what we want. We like to think that we wouldn't be like them, but I can't help but think that I could be exactly like them, given the circumstances. So it's here in the midst of them in exile and in devastation that we actually come back to a scripture that we read not too long ago to this prayer of a man named Daniel. Because the people of God at this time were conquered and exposed, and we have this record of this man named Daniel. And I'd like to read it from Daniel chapter 9, if you want to follow along. With me, you can, in your Bibles. If not, just listen to my voice. I will do my best to articulate, I promise. It says this, In the first year of Darius, the son of, yeah, Ahasuerus, by descent of a Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. We learned earlier, maybe it was a couple months ago, from our good friend, Justin. (laughs) That Daniel was looking in the book of Jeremiah, and he saw the promises of God. He said, if if my people uh, turn, and they confess, and they pray, I will heal their land. And so Daniel does this. But what we're looking at today is the specific kind of prayer that Daniel prayed. He said, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleased for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and I made confession. Confession. This is a weird word. It's the word we're going to hang on today. Saying, O oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him, and who keep his commandments, we have sinned. We have sinned and done wickedly. We've done wrong and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the, inhabitants of Jer- to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. For we've rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his ways, which he set before us. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. It says, he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled by us. Who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. This is what God has done to these people. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. It's been written in the law of Moses. All these calamities come upon us, but we've not entreated the favor of the Lord. We've not turned from our iniquities or gained insight by his truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity and he's brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous to all the works he has done. We have not obeyed his voice, they said. And now, O oh Lord, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, you have made a name for yourself. And, at this day, and as at this day, we have sinned and we have done wickedly. Confession. This is a weird word. And it's actually a word we often only usually think of in terms of guilt. I confess that I'm guilty. I acknowledge that I'm, I have I, sinned. But there's more to it than that. All throughout the, the, uh, through the, the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, confession has a, has, has a range of meanings that, that, that primarily sit in with this idea that I'm acknowledging reality. When we confess, we're, we're, we're simply acknowledging something that already was. We're, 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 not, we're not making a new reality. We acknowledge it. We're agreeing about something that's already true. It would have been true whether or not we confessed it or not, and that's the key here. Daniel might not have ever confessed, but it still would have been true that Israel had acted wickedly. They had acted wrongly. They had rebelled. They had strayed. And a curious thing for us is that this same Daniel is one whom we look in with high, high regard. He identified with that confession, but he was a man who did have faith in, in God. We read in this very same book... How he stood in the lions, or how he was thrown into the lion's den and prevailed because of his faith in God. How he was thrown into a fiery furnace and yet prevailed because of his faith in God. And yet he still found reason to confess. Listen to this as we continue with Daniel and his prayer. O Lord, according to all your righteousness. Acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among those who are around us. Now, therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his plea for mercy. For your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my. God, because of your city and because your people are called by your name. He acknowledged in this prayer the reality that the people of God found themselves facing. The reality of their history of their acts and the reality of their present circumstances. And the reality of God's goodness. He made confession. It's a strongly worded confession that included himself. Even though, as I had mentioned earlier... We know Daniel to be a man of faith, yet he included himself. So we might not want to let this pass us by. No one, not one of us is is without need for this type of confession, for this acknowledgement of the reality, the one that Daniel prayed that day. We're going to hop to 1 John chapter 1. As I read that first chapter, listen. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which is with the Father, which was made manifest to us. That which we've seen, we've heard, and we proclaim also to you. We proclaim also to you so that you may, uh, so that you may too have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and we're writing these things so our joy may complete. This is the message we heard from Him, and we proclaim it to you. You might say we confess it to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in the darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from sin. This is a good promise. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This is a good warning. If we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a good promise. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is a good warning. It's a good thing to be thinking of when we're making our thoughts about what we want to focus on. for the new year what does our vision want to be for the new year if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar but if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness the reality is we need God this is the confession that we need to make this is the, the confession of faith of sorts that we need to make the acknowledgement of the reality is that we need God as Christians, this is really central to our faith. We confess our need for God, and we confess that God is God, that Jesus is Lord, and that we will follow him, and we reject uh, our self-fulfillment, our, our ways of relying on ourselves. The reality is that Jesus was born to a virgin name, Mary. He walked this earth to highlight the reality of our need for God, and he taught us this while he was... While he was on earth, he set his face to resolve that need completely by going to the cross, being crucified, being executed, and then uh, being resurrected on the third day. And all he asks for us to do in return is to acknowledge that reality and to follow him by abiding or remaining in him. We confess that he is the Lord. It's as inexplicable and as seemingly incomprehensible as it is true. We can, we can busy ourselves thinking about how we can better follow God, but the thing that we want to set our minds onto is to have the vision that we just need God in the first place. Sometimes we think, if, if I work harder, if I read more, if I pray more fervently, I'll get what I need. But no, we simply need to confess. When you confess the, uh, the, the reality that we need God to do that in us, We're not going to do it ourselves. All of our efforts will be in vain if they're focused on ourselves and trying to strengthen ourselves. Do you want to know what happened to that young boy? One day he broke down. After years and years of struggling and and feeling good about himself at different points and bad about himself at other points, he realized he just couldn't do it. He couldn't lift as much as his father, and he didn't understand why. So he he went to his father in tears, and he felt awful, confessing he could not measure up. He said, Dad, I can't do it. I can't do it. I've tried. I've tried everything. His father looked at him and said this, Son, you never came to me. You never came to me. You saw my strength and you wanted it, but you never came to me for it. I was here all along, his father said. His father then told the son that he was very unique, that all his son had to do was allow his father to simply place his hand on his shoulder and trust him, and he could have all the strength he needed. At first, the son couldn't believe it, but before long, he acknowledged that he needed to try this out because he wasn't getting there on his own. So he decided to trust his father. He asked him to place his hand at his shoulder, and he proceeded to lift. Every time the father's hand was on his son, he lifted with ease. Dad, I can't do this on my own. I've tried everything I can think of. I've read all the books. Or I think I've read all the books. I've asked all the experts about what their advice is on getting strong. But I can't do it, so I'm going to trust you now. Now, this is as inexplicable as it is true. Like the Son, we need the strength of the Father. And the only way that happens is if we acknowledge our need and allow Him to do the work in us. In First John chapter 4, we read this. By this we know that we abide in Him, or we remain in Him, and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And when we have seen and testified or confess that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he is in God. God remains in him, and he is in God. God stays in him, and he is in God. If God is in you, what strength is in you? It's not yours. It's God's. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God in Him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. Why? Because we're abiding in Him. We're confessing that we need His strength, and we are letting Him be our strength. If there's anything we need to focus on for 2020, it's not on getting stronger, it's not on having better time management, It's not putting in the best business practices. It's not in in finding the all-star. It's in us relying on God to be our strength. And this is hard. I'm telling you, this is hard. I'm a competitive person. I want to do it. I want to show people that, that I can do it. But when I focus on that, that's when I fall on my face. When I focus on my strength and my ability, almost inevitably, I fall on my face, but when I confess my need for God, daily, hourly, those days and those moments where I, where where by the grace of God, I have the presence of mind to do that, it's a whole completely different person you're seeing, and it's not because I did it, not because I showed strength, it's because I relied on God. Christianity is nothing if not believing that Jesus is enough for all our needs. All I have for you on your outlines your today is, is, is just a couple, of, a couple of lines. These are for you to fill out. We're going to take a moment, in a few moments, of just quiet and reflection and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight to our hearts. You say, God, what do I need to confess? Where have I not trusted in you? And then we have a second confession. I use the word believe just to make it obvious, but the second confession is the confession of Jesus as Lord. And so that second one, it might be boilerplate. It might be very simple. It says, I confess, Jesus, I need your strength. I confess, you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords, and I'm going to live your way. And then we have a prayer that you can, you can write down, and this is your personal prayer. You might not fill it out at all right now. You might just want to leave that maybe in a notebook or something to remind you to think of these things this year in 2020 in a couple of days. Are you frustrated with never seeming to be able to catch up in life? Are you tired of trying and trying and trying and never quite getting the result you want? Are you exhausted from being constantly frustrated with all the things you set your mind to and don't seem to work out or they don't seem to work out consistently? Christian or non-Christian, the answer is the same. The reason you get there is because we're focusing on ourselves. And as a Christian, I confess I have been there way too many times that I care to admit, just even this week, many times. Oh, yeah, some success. Yeah, I trusted in God and things went well. And then the next day, why did I do that? I confess, I admit, I acknowledge, I agree with the reality that has been shown that I have not been living as though Jesus is king. I've not been living as as though he's the ruler or the way or the truth in the life consistently. I haven't even lived as though my way, I, I have lived as though my way is the right way. I confess that I have lived for myself and not for God. I confess that a lion's share of my thinking, my energy, my effort has been directed towards selfish and small things. Things that seem big in my mind but are really nothing, they're trash. Often it's been towards me supplying what I think is my need or me going after or fighting for what I think is my need, but often ends up being unnecessary and unhelpful to me in the long run. Now, as I said before, with the recognition that Daniel acknowledged and identified with that confession himself, I'm convinced that in this room we will all have something to confess not because I think any of us are terrible people or that we're all way off the mark, but that we are people and that we're in need of God. I spoke with a wonderful saint a few weeks ago, and we are sharing kind of our needs with one another. And this man has many years on me. He's seen God work in miraculous ways. He's seen the absence, he's seen the downs, and he had the, the humility and presence of mind to say, man, I know I've been acting childish. And I said, I'll pray for you, brother. I confess I didn't do it. I'm sorry, brother. I know you're here. But I'll do it again. With God's strength. I'll pray for you, brother. The man who's been following God for the majority of his life still recognizes his need to confess and to come to the Lord. So when we recognize we're and we confess and we repent of it and we turn back towards our Lord in faith, that's belief, that's confession of, of faith, this only requires a decision and nothing more. It actually doesn't require a whole lot of supernatural strength on your part. It just requires a decision and a word. And then God takes over. All that son had to do was have his dad's hand on his shoulder. It didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense physically, but then he had the strength that he needed. And I know it's a fake story, but it's my, it's my parable, okay? and I'm sticking with it because it's true because in 1 John we're told to remain in God not to work hard to show that we have great strength or great faith just remain just be in the presence of God rest in the presence of God acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and let him be Lord over your life let him be your strength let him be our salvation let him be our vision it doesn't require us to build our bodies into works of arts. We have great physical strength. It doesn't require us to gather all the knowledge in the world. It does not require us to demonstrate how right we think we are on any given topic. It does not require we accomplish anything other than to accomplish recognizing, confessing, acknowledging our deep need for God in everything in our lives. And I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself a lot, but... Uh, I believe this to be true, so I'm going to keep repeating myself. (laughs) And this is something that God has been teaching me over these past many months. And I'm still kind of struggling to really trust and confess. And I'm still kind of relying on myself. And I'm still kind of going back into my studies. And I'm still kind of trying to pop up and, and, and proudly show that I was right, even though there's no point in it for me. I have a question. Is it not the original sin Believing that is not the original sin that Adam and Eve did, not believing that we can do something that makes God unnecessary for our sustenance? Did they not desire to be like God and so not need Him? Is that not the very same thing that we do when we rely on ourselves and then ask God to bless it? As though we're the ones in charge, as though we're the ones driving this ship? If you want to have a life that's satisfying beyond your wildest dreams, that feels, that has, that has success, that's not measured in the normal ways that you can, that you can think of, but, that, but at the end of the day you can say there was success, there is, is, you only need one thing and that's believing in Jesus, confessing Jesus as Lord. We confess, we acknowledge reality, we live in self-deceit when we don't. We acknowledge the reality of our sin, our nature, the nature of God, our need for Jesus in order to save us from the dark we find ourselves in. So we confess and believe that Jesus is all we need. Confess of self reliance and believe that Jesus is all you need. Confess of self promotion and believe that Jesus is all you need. Confess of self fulfillment and believe that Jesus is all you need. Confess of self rule. This is a big one in our society. I am my master. And believe that Jesus is all you need. Confess of self-actualization and believe that Jesus is all you need. Confess of self-deception and believe that Jesus is all you need. I don't know how, how can we know if we're trusting God or if we're not or if we need to confess something. I could give you a list of ways. But for each of us, it's going to be a little different. Here's the thing, God will make it known. So we're going to do this exercise right now. This room's going to be quiet for about three minutes, which is an un- uncomfortably long amount of time when you're in a group of people. But I think it's worthwhile. And we're going to let the Spirit speak to our hearts because we're people of faith, and we believe that God can do that, that he can highlight and, 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 and bring to light what he wants. So there might be some kids who might run around. That's fine. Just let your heart be still. Let your mind be quiet for the next three minutes. And after that, you may write it down if you want to. Something that you believe God is telling you to confess. You might want to write down that prayer. You might want to repent in prayer and ask God in faith to heal that. And then tomorrow when you wake up, do it again. And then at lunchtime, do it again. And then when you fail, and you fail miserably, and you're sad about it, and you feel like you've you've let God down, do it again. And confess that Oh, yes, I forgot, Lord, it's not my strength that I'm supposed to be doing this. It's in your strength. And then do it again and then do it again, because the, th- the best thing we can do is we can confess this truth, We can confess our need for God every single day, every moment, if we have to. So, that, so that's at the forefront of our mind. that there is no vision or goal for us to have a, 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 a beach body or to be the smartest person in the room or to be the most successful business executive everyone knows. But at the forefront of our vision is that we just need God more than anything else in this world. So take that time now. Father in heaven, I confess. I believe and I put my faith in you to be my fulfillment, to be my strength, to give me supernatural measures of wisdom as I humbly follow you to protect me, to defend me. I choose not to defend myself. I choose not to rely on my strength. I choose to seek for your vision, wisdom, and direction. Today I choose to simply believe in you for everything I need. I ask you to make me grow as I look to you, your word, and your way. Father in heaven, May we confess of any and all self reliance that we have demonstrated, individually or as a group. We acknowledge Daniel's prayer as a confession from community, as part of a community. Help us, as people who put our faith in you, not to put our faith in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own business savvy, or our own self protection. May you be our strength. May your wisdom prevail. May you grow us in faith, grace, righteousness, holiness, humility, and all that we need as your people in this place, and this time, that your will may be done. We ask that you make known to us the many ways in which we simply have not believed, trusted, or put our faith in you, and the ways in which we have instead looked to our own strength, smarts, and schemes. Highlight to our hearts, and minds, how we have not been people of faith, so that we may repent and believe. We might confess and confess. Remind us every single day to consider this deeply in our hearts and respond appropriately. May your spirit convict us of our sin of unbelief when we stray from your ways and accomplish the miraculous work of grace to enable us to live holy lives as we set our faces to simply put our faith in you. Amen.